Welcome to the Kairos Church Podcast. We believe Jesus loves you, has called us all into his family and kingdom, and is moving through his family to his glory. Kairos Church is located in Grandview, Missouri. You can find us online at kairos-kc.org or through social media at Kairos, Kansas City. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. I think the Lord has uh, a very interesting uh, word for us to, uh, for the year. And uh, I'm just going to share with you what I heard. Once upon a time, there was a place called time. It was a place where events evolved, things transpired, and happenings happened. It was a place of constant activity. In time, there was a time for everything. Time was full of people. It was full of life. People were having babies, and if they weren't having babies, they were pregnant with babies. Lots of babies, twin babies, triplets, black babies, white babies, Caucasian babies, Hispanic babies, Asian babies. People in time loved babies. They loved life. Big-bellied women would pass by big-bellied women on the street, and they would greet each other, and they would say, new life to you. And the other one would say, and new life to you too. As for the people who weren't having babies, well, they were giving birth to other things. People in time were extremely creative. They were dreamers and visionaries. Out of their dreams and their visions, they would write stories and they would write songs. They would paint pictures and they would open bakeries. They would create and invent complicated things and simple things. Some people would come up with new ideas and ways to explain old concepts. There was life everywhere. The grass was green and the trees were green. Flowers were in bloom and birds were sitting and on their nest waiting for their eggs to hatch. But as just as much as they loved life, or rather because they loved life so much, people in time were afraid of dying because they could not see anything other than the life they were living. So they would keep things alive, bad thoughts, bad emotions, bad behaviors, bad intentions. They would keep the bad things alive. They would say things like, I have a right to be mad at you, or if you hadn't done what you did, then I wouldn't have hit you, or it was just a little white lie, or all I'm doing is looking what's wrong with that. Sometimes they felt that they didn't even have to obey the law. And for all the energy that they put into staying alive, they didn't know that they were actually dying. But there were those in time, people who actually mourned their lifestyle and the evil that was in their heart. The things that they wanted to do, for some reason, they were not strong enough to do. And the opposite was true. 
the things that they didn't want to do, those things they ended up doing. And this was frustrating and troublesome to them. And they sought for the wisdom to know how to die to the things that they hated. There were farmers in time. They knew much about agriculture. And they were always looking for someone to tell their stories to. Didn't matter if they were old or young. They just loved to talk about sowing and reaping and how seeds die in the ground and about mustard seeds and faith, all kinds of things. Sometimes people understood them, and other times it seemed like a parable. They especially liked talking to children about farming, and they would teach them about the sky and about weather. They would instruct them about seasons and the best time to plant things to get the best crops. The farmers would say to the children, you have to read the sky. It gives you lots of information. It's your almanac. And they would ask the children questions like, what does the sky look like this evening? Now tell me, what is the weather going to be tomorrow? And the children, they asked lots of questions too. Like, if I know how to read the sky, can I know other things? And that is exactly what the farmers wanted to hear. And soon the children would know about weather and about people and about government and about economics. They could tell good from evil, right from wrong, pure things from impure things, so many things. People started calling them discerners. Yes, that's what they were, discerners of time. And there were those who seemed like watchmen in time, sort of. They loved the truth. And they would go to different places in time and listen closely to what was being said. And if they heard something that was not truth, they would pluck it up in a minute. They would move right in and dismantle the lie and say, now this is the truth. And people who had been bound up and restricted in their freedom because they had believed a lie, well, they would be set free. And then they would be able to move all around time. That was really awesome to see. Most of the time, time was not subject to outside influences. However, sometimes killers would sneak in and go around inflicting wounds upon others. The killers had big mouths and spoke with loud voices so that no one could talk over them. They would sometimes camouflage themselves and not be recognizable. You would be, think that you were talking to a friend, and then zing, they would get you. And if you were a leader in time, they especially targeted you. They would sneak up on you, and they would kill your influence. They would undermine your authority, and they would render you incapable of leaving, leading. No one feels safe with a wounded leader. But there were the annihilators, annihilators in time, too. They were always dressed in red. They were sharpshooters. They could shoot an arrow at a single strand of hair, and they would not miss. They were commissioned to take out the killers. You see, the killers had a vulnerable spot. They did not like the color red. 
When they saw red, they would cringe and screech and run away as fast as they could. So if the annihilators were active, they would tell the people that the killers were around and they would say, you need to put red on the door of your house. And when they did this, the killers had no access. And the annihilators would surround the killers dressed in garments as red as blood and the killers would fall at their feet dead. Yep. There was a time in time to kill the killers. There were some amazing people in time. They were the healers. Uh, no, they weren't doctors. They were just ordinary people, and you would find them everywhere. And I mean literally everywhere. They were on the street corners and the grocery stores. They were at psychiatric institutions. They rode in ambulances. Some of them actually chased ambulances. You would find them in parking lots and in homes and in funeral parlors. They loved hanging around doctors' offices. I don't think they looked like healers. I mean, I don't know what a healer looks like. They looked like you and they looked like me meaning there was nothing really special about them. Well, there was something special about them. It had to do with their hands. They would put their hands out and touch someone, and that person would be healed. I mean it, seriously. And oh, there was something else about them. Sometimes they would not even have to touch the person, and the person would be healed. How'd they do that? They just spoke some words, and the person was healed. I mean, the person could be miles away, and the person was healed. How awesome is that? Yep. Those healers would go throughout time asking the sick, do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be made whole? Now, if there was one thing, people in time disliked. It was breaking down things. They spent a lot of time and energy erecting all kinds of structures. They were very impressive structures. You would look at them and you would say, wow, that's a mighty fine structure you built. They would stand back beaming in pride and nodding in agreement. But some of the things that they built were not on good foundation. So a storm would come and topple them over. And some of them were not built of the right material. It was a mixture. Or some structure did not fit in the present environment. Or a building needed to be repaired or disassembled or removed to another place. Yep. There were things that needed to be broken down in the builders. Their attitudes, their mindsets, their ideas, their motivations. And that was not a small endeavor. It required the effort of the deconstructors. And that sounds intimidating, doesn't it? But they were not. They were very patient, but also very determined. Knowledge, knowledge! That was their cry. Break down your imagination. Knowledge, knowledge. 
Knowledge is for basic living. Day in and day out, you find them on the streets of time crying, knowledge, knowledge, wisdom, wisdom, get wisdom, get wisdom. Let wisdom be your hammer. Let knowledge be your bulldozer. There were places in time that looked like a war zone. People were living in houses without walls, and some did not have a roof. Husbands and wives were fighting and screaming at each other, saying, I can't take it anymore. Children were going wherever they wanted and did whatever they pleased, and the parents couldn't stop them. Some people did not speak to other people because of something that happened years ago. Builders came into those areas. They brought all the tools that were needed, like plumb lines and measuring reeds. And they brought with them people who shouted to the residents, wake up, wake up. And they told them that it was time to build and time to repair. People of time, they said, it's time for you to put things in order. Some say the people who spoke were prophets. But the people listened. And they decided they wanted to do the work of rebuilding. And soon husbands and wives were not fighting anymore. Children listened to their parents. People forgave and relationships were healed. And now, when you go there, you will see fences around the yards and walls around the houses. And every roof is on a house. But there were people in time that cried because of their pain and their wounds that were not healed. And they would lie all night up on their bed crying over regrets and mistakes that they had made. Children cried because they had been hit too hard or someone named Goliath was chasing them. Fathers cried because they had no jobs and mothers cried because they thought they were failures. People cried over pain, mental and physical pain. They cried over a bad report from a doctor, over children that had gone astray. Parents cried over spilled milk and broken dreams and hope deferred. There were lots of tears in time. And there were those who cried out in travail and anguish as their hearts were torn and broken because of all the tears in time, with groanings and words that could not be understood. They mingled their tears. There was no bucket big enough to hold their tears. Sometimes you wondered where all the tears came from. It seemed like their head must be a pool of water. Their eyes were like fountains. They cried into the wee hours of the night on the behalf of the hurting ones in time. People called them intercessors. But people in time. They didn't always cry. Well, there were all kinds of celebrations, and these celebration times were led by the joy bringers. Joy bringers, 
don't you just like the sound of that? And they would just laugh and laugh and laugh and sing and sing. It seems that they were never without a song. If it rained, they had a song about the rain. And at harvest time, they had a song about the harvest time. And when you were around them, their joy jumped on you. And soon you were laughing too and singing too. Everybody loved the joy bringers. And the joy bringers? Don't think that they were weak. Oh, no, they were very strong. They were warriors, too. And you would hear them laugh like this, ha, ha, ha. And you knew they had just taken down their opponent. And that's another reason the people in time loved them, because they helped the people feel safe in time. Most people in time were familiar with grief and sorrow. They had suffered lots of losses. Some grew up fatherless because of death or divorce. Some experienced abuse at the hands of molesters or wife beaters. Some had lost a child. Many had buried a family pet. Some no longer had jobs. All too many had attended funerals of friends and family. Others lost their reputation and status in the community because of the lies that were told about them. Others lost faith and hope. And there were times when grief was like a heavy cloud over them. And the mourners mourned, and that cloud grew thicker, and it grew larger. In time, there were consolers. The consolers carried the most beautiful handkerchiefs that you'd ever seen. No two were alike. And they would give these to the grieving ones. And sometimes they would stand beside the mourner and wipe the tears from their eyes. And they would listen as the mourners would tell their stories over and over again. And it was like, they were placing their pain in the hands of the consolers. And the consolers held on to their pain, even though it was heavy and weighty. They were so full of compassion and mercy. They would not drop the pain. And the longer they held it, the smaller it got, until there was no more pain. People in time were very passionate, and they displayed their passion in the dance. Rich people dance, poor people dance, young people dance, old people dance, women dance, men dance, important people dance, and no people that nobody knew would dance. They would dance and dance and dance dancing for rain, dancing in the sunshine. They would dance at weddings, dance at anniversaries. They would dance when happy, and they would dance when sad, because they found out that when they danced when they were sad, that the sadness would go away. And they would find people who were not dancing, and they would say, come on, dance with me. And soon the whole area would be dancing. And the sound of their feet when they were dancing 
There was nothing like it. It seemed as though the earth was going to shatter into a million pieces. But they would dance until something incredible happened. You no longer knew who was noble or who was the farmer. You no longer knew who was the lawyer or the student. You no longer knew who was the ruler or the housewife. Oh, you get the picture. They danced until their bodies glowed, something within lighting up their face in a way that you only saw the shimmering glow on their face. And as you watched them, you would feel your heart begin to move, and then your feet, and then your whole body was in motion, whirling and twirling and spinning as though it had a life of its own. Some people in time would go about removing stones. And this was really hard work because often people did not know they had the stones. And sometimes these stones were deep in their heart. And man, it's just really hard to move stones from a stony heart, especially if people don't want to give them up. But the stone removers would go about their work with determination. And most of the time, the people would expel the stones, and their hearts would open up where they had been broken, and they were repaired. And there was a time to gather stones. And there were those uh, who would gather stones together, and they would take a few stones from somebody's yard over there and put them in a neutral place and gathered one or two stones from another yard and put them in, another in the same place. And you know what happened? Lots of people who didn't know one another were suddenly talking to each other around that pile of stones. They discovered that they had more in common than they thought. And then they started to remove the keep out signs and no trespassing signs from their yard and the no fishing signs from their ponds. Now, people in time would sometimes forget things, significant events and days of awe than when they were delivered from catastrophic things. So it was necessary for somebody to gather stones so the residents could remember. And this was the work of the timekeeper. The timekeeper did not want people to forget. So the timekeeper built a memorial to help them remember. On the stones were written dates and events. Every year, the timekeeper would add new stories and new stones. And not only that, a timekeeper would also let people know what was going to happen the next year. So once or twice a year, sometimes more often, people would gather at the stone memorial to hear what the timekeeper had to say. Now, some stones in time were not ordinary stones. They were extremely beautiful, and they were called precious. Well, because they were precious. And often you would see people in time who collected these precious stones and had them sewn into a piece of cloth, and they wore them over their chest. And if you stood real close to them, you might see them touching a stone. And if you got even closer, 
you might hear them praying. People in time love being connected to one another. They gave hugs and kisses as well as handshakes. They would draw close to each other in difficult times and discovered that they were much stronger when they did that. They would embrace good things like a good friend, a good recipe, a good idea, a good joke, a good lesson learned, a good conversation over a good cup of coffee. They knew what to hold and to cherish in their heart. A smile from a child, a squeeze of a hand, the wink of an eye, and words like, I love you, or I'm here for you, or call me if you need me. Or, here, let me help you with that. Or, you're not alone. Or, we'll end this together. And I like this one. I got your back. But there was a time when they had to refrain from embracing. This was stressful on everyone. For a while, they didn't know what to do. They would see someone and just stare. And it felt awkward and uncomfortable and unnatural. And they felt disconnected. But for a while, they had to refrain from embracing. And then it was over, and people were holding hands and hugging and giving kisses again. Now, there were some things in time that people needed to stop embracing, like bad habits and holding on to bad relationships and generally unhealthy lifestyles. The wise counselors would usually help them with this. Did I mention the seekers? They would search for things, not only to benefit themselves, but to benefit all the people in time. They would look for resources and people that would help to make time the best place to be. They would look for books that would tell them how to order their lives. They would look for people who would teach from the books. They would search for old paths and new paths. They would buy the truth and they would not sell it. The seekers did not like the status quo when someone would say, it's fine the way that it is. Then a seeker would say, Oh, no, there's more. And another seeker would say, oh, yes, there's so much more. And then they would be off looking for whatever more was. They were just not content for things to remain the same. Now, as you can imagine, some people in time were very proud and arrogant. They loved the word I, and they would spin stories about their mighty deeds that they had done and what they had accomplished and all the things that they had owned, and they had done it all by themselves. All true. And people would listen to them with wide-eyed wonder and admiration and think, oh, how great you are. I want to be just like that. Sometimes they would not only think it, they would say it out loud. And when they did, it just seemed like the eye people got bigger and bigger and bigger, especially their heads. 
But not all citizens of time were like them. There were many people who were not like that at all. But you would have a hard time finding them because they would lose themselves. They went about doing good deeds. Even miracles would happen. And you never knew it. Like the time that the widow uh, was about to get her lights turned off and suddenly her bills were paid. Or the time that the farmer's cow died unexpectedly and the next morning he had a new cow. Or how the little girl in the hospital that had leukemia was recovered suddenly. Why the runaway drug addicted teenager came home clean and sober. People knew they were out there, but they didn't know their identity. That was just fine. Their identity was lost. I mean, they were not looking. Uh, I mean, you could be looking right at them and then not see them at all. They called them nameless, faceless people. The people of time were obsessive collectors. They had discovered many treasures, and they certainly wanted to keep them. They would uh, not throw away anything through carelessness or insensitivity, not the things that had value. And this meant that they had to recognize the things that had value so they could cling to things like faith and humility, hope and confidence, family, loving your neighbor and other good things, things that they had been taught. Those things were the treasures, and they certainly wanted to keep them. But there was another way in which they learned to keep things. They learned that they could keep standing when it felt like a ferocious wind was about to knock them over. They could even keep on believing when a situation looked hopeless. The encouragers would help them to do that. Oh, the encouragers, of course. Sorry, I haven't told you about them. Well, the encouragers were sort of like the joy bringers, only they didn't sing. They spoke good words. Sometimes their voice was strong, and it was like the words were on fire or had the force of a hammer. Other times, the words were like macaroni and cheese or a warm blanket or a soothing back rub. They carried around this black book with them, and when they saw somebody struggling to keep, they just read to them from that little black book. Well, just to let you know, if there were some people in time that had trouble holding on to things, these were people who, just like there were people that had trouble holding on to things, there were people that had trouble letting go. Oh, it was like they would wrap their hand around uh, a, a pain or a grudge and, or disappointment and make a fist so tight it seemed impossible to pry open. You could tell them because they were either mad or sad most of the time. They have trouble letting go of people who hurt them. They have trouble saying no. They, it seems like the words would freeze in their mouth. They, their yard had no fence. Their house had no door. They believed things that were not true and disbelieved things that were true. Their closet was 
never used. They could not get into it because it was crammed full of junk. They would swear, one day I will clean out that closet. But that one day never seemed to come around. In time, some would rend their garments and prostrate themselves on the ground, sobbing and repenting for the evil in their own hearts and the evil in the hearts of others. They repented for the deeds of rulers and government officials and the law enforcement and people who screamed at one another, whether from pain or anger or both. They repented for hatred and injustice and intolerance. They repented for the lack of compassion and mercy. They would intercede to heaven and plead for change to come. There were some people in time who were especially gifted and extremely insightful. They would make beautiful garments out of costly fabric. And then they would search for just the right person to give it to. And they would just walk right up to someone and say something like, oh, looks like you've outgrown what you're wearing. Or try this on. Well, I know you think this is not for you, but just try it on. And you know what? They would. They would try it on. And guess what? They not only liked it, they loved it. They knew quiet times. It seemed like there were times when all was quiet, no one speaking, everybody listening. Their ears were open. They could hear, even in the silence they could hear. And it was not easy to get people to come to the place where stillness brought knowledge. Oh, no. There were many who used their voice to argue, to criticize, to blame others, to shame, to gossip, or to relentlessly defend themselves when they felt they had been wrongly accused. Their mouth was like a sword wounding people all around them. It took a while for them to see that they were bleeding too. Did I tell you that there was a mountain in time? Well, there was. I mean, not gigantic, but just tall enough. In the beginning, it was called Oracle. But nowadays, people just call it the Speaking Mountain. Speaking Mountain. Intriguing, isn't it? Well, I will tell you how it got its name. On some days, early in the morning, you would see a group of people, about seven of them, sometimes eight and sometimes 12 or 10, and they would travel up Oracle carrying large bags with them. They would reach the top of the mountain, open their bags, and take out the most beautiful trumpets that I have ever seen. I tell you, the angels must have made them. Then one by one, they would put the trumpet to their mouth and play. And all the trumpets looked alike, but they did not all sound alike. Each had its own sound. And when the people in time would see the trumpeters ascending the mountain, 
they would stop whatever they were doing and turn toward the mountain. Well, of course, not everyone would stop what they were doing to listen. Some people just kept on doing what they were doing as if the trumpets were not sounding. But that was not the majority. Most people in time would listen. Some say that the trumpets sounded so loudly and so clear that it seemed like a voice was speaking to them. And they heard many things from the trumpets. They heard answers to their questions and directions and instructions and guidance and even information about times to come. Spring is a very special season in time. All the stores are decorated with hearts, and the bakeries give away heart-shaped cookies to every child. Well, and to some childish adults, too. Did you hear that? They're singing. Must be spring in time. The people in time love to sing love songs. They love singing about loving and being so loved in spring. Everybody sings whether they can hold a tune or not. It doesn't matter. What matters is the love inside of your heart that is pouring out like a rare perfume. You can almost smell love in the air. People fall in love again during this time. They renew their vows. And they remember when they first fell in love. They hum or they sing. The first time I ever I saw your face. And just as they know love, they also know hate. And they compiled a long list, which they add to periodically, of the things that they hate, such as pride and injustice and prejudice and inequality and evil. And because their hatred of these things is so strong, they spend time examining their own hearts to see if these things are in them. Because they also hate hypocrisy. Now there were times in time when they knew conflict and war and people wrestled with what was right and what was wrong and ideas about justice and injustice and obedience and how to overcome the enemy and who the enemy was. The enemy would come in to steal and to destroy. So the people of time had to be careful that none of the gates would be left open to allow the enemy to enter in. Because once the enemy came in, it was really hard to get them out. So they decided that they would put people at the gates to watch for the enemy. You know what they called them? Oh, yep. Gatekeepers, of course. You knew that one. But the biggest war, the really big war, was inside the people of time. They fought doubt and unbelief and their old passions. They struggled with unforgiveness and lack of gratitude and being mean and angry, pride and low self-esteem, shame. Well, you know, pretty much the stuff that we all struggle with.
There were times and times when the atmosphere was filled with peace. It was like being on a porch in a swing, drink, drinking lemonade on a breezy summer day. Or it felt restful and quiet, like sitting by still waters. When there was peace and rest, people did all the things they normally did, but it seemed like they did it with little effort. Milking the cows seemed to take less time, and the vacuum seemed to just glide across the floor on its own. The mechanic set new records in changing oil. People seem to have lost their anxiety about their tomorrows, even though they knew they would surely come. And in those times, some people said that they could hear the angels singing. And what were they singing? Why? Peace on earth and goodwill toward men, of course. To everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to gain and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. In Metro, when I was praying, about this time of sharing with you. I heard the Lord say concerning you, Metro, I have set you in time. He says, I am giving you the gift of time, and I will release gifts of time in this house. It's time for gifts of times to be released so you can minister to those in time. I am uniquely equipping this house with gifts of time. Just as in this story, there were those that were equipped to minister to those in time, so you will be. You will be bold and courageous and unafraid no matter what the season. I am increasing wisdom in your midst, and there will be those who have strategy and direction to move you from one season to another. So natural God is saying, I am resetting you, for you are a church whose time has come. God says, I have called you to the kingdom for such a time as this. I have set you in time to affect the destiny of others. I hear the Lord calling you a church for all seasons. A church prepared, equipped to minister to those in all seasons personal seasons, national seasons, and international seasons. The Lord says, your time, your times are in my hand. He said, look at my hand. And therefore, you are to seek him regarding your own times and your own seasons. 
Find yourself in Ecclesiastes 3, 1 to 8. Ask him, what is the meaning for you? God says, Metro, you are entering a new era. Today marks the beginning of things becoming new and distinct. And the key words there are beginning, new, and distinct. He says, do not focus on the ending. Focus on the new beginning. All has passed away. A new era is open before you. New in that things will change because I am changing you. Things will change because of the changes that I am making in you. You will not only be able to cope with the change, but you will be uniquely positioned to help others cope with change also. Distinct. Because I am giving you form and I am giving you identity. No longer dry bones scattered on a burial ground, but I am bringing things together. I am positioning you and I will place people in positions in accordance with my plan for this house. Proper alignment is what I am seeking. Body alignment is what I am doing. You will know who you are. And others will know who you are. You will not wear hand-me-down clothes because I am embroidering a new garment for you. As Jacob created a garment for Joseph, I am crafting a garment for you. Can you see it? Can you see yourself being clothed with the Father's love? He has vision in his heart for you, and what he is going to do will reflect the vision of his heart. I heard the scripture, you will arise and have compassion on Zion, for the set time has come. Yes, the time to favor her has come. So Metro, you're entering a season of favor, no longer naked, no longer bearing shame, but now beautifully arrayed with the favor of the Father. He says, you are my chosen one, beloved of me, now reflecting, manifesting, and demonstrating the power of my love to a love-starved generation. The time to favor you has come. His love and kindness to you will be seen and taken note of. The Lord has waited that he might be gracious to you. He says, I have set eternity in your heart. And eternity is about purpose. It's about eternal things. It's about the kingdom of God, for his kingdom will never pass away. He said, you will understand in a new way kingdom purpose and your role in my kingdom. You will surely declare to a new generation the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And you will understand your role and your position in advancing the kingdom. You will understand your role in time and how to minister to those in time. He says, I am bringing enlargement and increase to your vision. I will deal with your heart, for from your heart you will see, and your eyes will be enlightened. You will understand why you are called to the kingdom for such a time as this. You have moved physically, but I have moved you spiritually. I have moved you into a new era, and you will be exploring and coming to the place of understanding the new things in the years to come. I will do a quick work through you, though the work will not be done quickly. 
Stay focused on the vision that I am releasing over this house. Pieces like those of a puzzle are going to come together. One will bring a piece and another will bring another piece and it will come together. But if that piece does not seem to fit, do not force it. Just wait. An opening will appear and you will say, why didn't I see that before? And I say, it was because it was not time to see. But I will open the eyes of the visionaries and they shall see with eyesight, even the eyesight of an eagle. You're moving into a time of precision, leaving the ambiguity. You will be seeing and hearing clearly that you may follow me accurately. I am writing the vision that you may read it and make haste to do all that is revealed. And I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, what, what is your heart over Metro at this time? What, what are the emotions that I need to connect with? And I heard him say, eager. And I thought, that's an unusual word. That's an old-fashioned word. But eager means longing. It means having a deep desire. And when I thought of it, and when I think of it, I remember that Jesus was with his disciples around the Passover table. And he said, with great desire, have I desired to eat this Passover with you. And as near as I could come to what the Lord was saying and what was in his heart regarding eager for Metro comes from Romans 15, 23. And there Paul says, talking to the Romans, and since I have been longing and that word in some translations is rendered eager. Since I have been longing or eager for many years to visit you, I plan to do so. Did you follow the anointing on that? It's on eager to visit you. So we know that Paul was talking about the Romans, but I hear God speaking that over Metro. He says, I am eager to visit you. My heart is toward you. I am longing for you. And then Paul says, I plan to do so. And I hear God saying to Metro, I am eager to visit you, and I plan to do so. And so I believe the next few years or the next era that we're entering into, there are going to be mighty visits from the Lord. He will sometimes announce his coming so that we may have opportunity to prepare ourselves and to prepare the house accordingly. But there will be times when he will surprise us and just show up. His loving kindness will pour down on us just like rain. And I heard the Lord say, times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. Times of refreshing are coming to you, Metro. Eager. That's the way the Lord feels about us right now. So Metro, I just bless you and I encourage you to look forward to what God is going to do in this house. He has set us in time. In Kairos time. And things are going to change rapidly to reflect that. Posture your heart in a surrendered stance to cooperate 
and receive all that God has proposed for us in this new era. I will say that again. Posture your heart in a surrendered stance to cooperate and receive all that God has purposed for us in this new era. So let us pray. So Father, I thank you that you have set Metro in time. And may we seek you further to get more revelation of what that means. And you said that you would release gifts of time in this house. I pray that you would begin to do that as we seek you over the next year, especially out of Ecclesiastes 3, 1 to 8. May we discover what you mean by our times and our seasons. That you would give us wisdom and understanding how to minister to people in their times and their seasons. We open our hearts for your coming. And we say, even so, come, Lord Jesus. Even so, come to Metro. Even so, come with your refreshing. And we posture our hearts and we surrender ourselves to cooperate with all that you have purposed for this house. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, Metro. And again, Happy New Year. That was Dr. Joyce Wallace. Dr. Joyce co-founded Scepter Ministries International with her husband, John, in 1999. She has blessed Kairos Church with the first message every year since 2014. Thank you for listening. Please support our ministries as we develop Christian community in the greater Kansas City area and beyond. You can give online through our mobile app or website, www.kairos-kc.org.